Second Samuel chapter 19. David hears in the beginning of chapter 19 that his son Avshalom has been killed. The king is shaken. Rogers is anger, trembling. It's hard to translate into one English word. The JP has the king is shaken. Shaken, anger, sorrow. He goes to the top of the gateway and he cries. And this he said as he is walking. My son, Absalom. Bini, bini, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. Miyitain muti ani tachtecha. Would that I had died in your stead. Absalom, bini, bini. So there's an uncontrollable sorrow. One is struck over here by the crying for Absalom in contrast to the story where David's son, born to Bathsheba, the first son born to Bathsheba, who was at that time married to Uriah Achiti, where that son died. Before the death of that child, David uh, was praying, David was on the ground, David was in a state of mourning, but the moment he hears that that child has died, back in chapter 12, he gets up, he washes, he sits down, he eats, and they say, what are you doing? David's men say, what are you doing back in chapter 12? When the child was alive, you were mourning and crying. And now the child has died? You get up, you wash, you eat. And David's answer was, well, when he was still alive, I thought maybe God will have mercy on me and give, give and allow this child to live. But now that the child has died, what's the point of mourning? I will go to him. He shall not return to me. Which is a very rational thing to say. But human beings don't operate that way. And here in the case of Absalom, it's precisely the opposite. David does not say, what's the point of crying? I can't bring him back. He doesn't say that at all. He says something very different. Would I had died in your stead? This response elicits Yoav's response. And Yoav's response begins in verse number 2. Vayugad Yoav, Yoav said, the king is crying and mourning for Absalom. The great victory that had occurred for David and David's troops turned into a day of mourning. And in verse number 4, The troops stole into town that day, like troops that are ashamed, embarrassed, after running away in battle. What David has done is, through his mourning, converted the great victory, as it were, into a great loss. The king covered his face. The king covered his face and cried in a great voice, My son Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. So the king's personal feelings are coloring the outcome of the war. There was a great victory, but it appears to be a great defeat. 
interesting, by the way, we have another example, and there's so many, of the uh, use of the book of Shmuel of language. Hamelech la'at et panav, the king covered his face. The word la'at is a very strange word. It probably should have been lata et panav, vayoret panav. The aleph there is not in place. But Amelech la'at et panav, which we translate as covered his face, relates to what the king said actually in the previous chapter, when the king commanded his generals and all the people heard, la'at li la'nar la'av shalom, go easy with the boy. And now we have the same word used, Hamelech la'at et panav, recalling that initial command, where the king had said, Go easy on the boy, on the boy. And perhaps that's the reason the king wanted to go into battle in the first place. Maybe it was not so much that the king can fight. But if the king is in the battle, the king is in the war, the king would be able to look out for his son. We don't know why David insists in this uh, battle to go to war when he hasn't gone to earlier battles. I suspect that the book wants us to see David's concern with the war as a concern for his son. And, of course, Yoav has a completely different take. You have humiliated, he says to the king, all of your followers, all of your servants. Who saved your life. Who saved the lives of your sons and daughters. And your wives and your concubines. To love your to love your enemies and to hate your friends. For you in fact have said through your behavior. You have no officers, you have no servants. If Absalom had lived and we had died, which is the alternative, that would have been fitting in your eyes. Now arise and go out. And comfort and placate your servants. He says, I swear by God, if you don't do it, a disaster will fall you which is greater than any disaster you have ever encountered. One can only imagine what that disaster would be, what Yoav is saying, and it sounds like he's threatening to kill the king. So we have two very different takes on the war. It's interesting that the people's response, the people's response, as described earlier, is very much in sync with the, with, with the king's response. It became a day of mourning for the people. The people hear the king is crying. And Yoav has a different response. When you're reading the book, you wonder, what is the viewpoint of the, of the narrator? What is the viewpoint of the book? My sense is that the book essentially sides with Yoav, but recognizes a kind of reality. And that is, human beings relate very much to an individual person's responses. They can empathize with, sympathize and empathize with David, who's crying for his son. That's a very human response, and maybe it even comes from a good place. But a rational response, actually, a more objective response, 
is the response of Yoav. We're in a war. This guy's out to kill you and us and your followers. We're risking our life for you and you're crying when he's killed, when he's removed. So it's interesting. The book has two different perspectives and it's always the question, what is the book's perspective? My opinion is that the book's perspective essentially is with Yoav. It's interesting, by the way, that at the end of the previous chapter, after Avshalom is killed, in chapter 18, so after Avshalom is killed, Achimatz, who's the son of Tzadok, who's one of David's two priests at this point, and later becomes David Solomon's main priest, after Avshalom is killed and the war is won, Achimatz wants to go tell the king. That's the previous chapter, chapter 18, verse number 19. Let me tell the king. That God has vindicated him against his enemies. We've won the war. Avshalom is dead. So Yoav says, no. You're not the right person to bring the tidings to the king. You bring other tidings. For the son of the king has died. Yoav understands David's response. To the extent that he says to Achimat, the son of the priest, who's an important person in David's court, he's the one that David sent back to Jerusalem to, to be his uh, contact man. Sons of the priests are the contact men who tell David what is going on in Jerusalem. What is Avshalom thinking? So instead, Yoav sends someone else, the Kushi, the Kushite. Let's say the Nanju, the outsider. says, you go tell the king what happened. The Kushite is expendable from Yoav's perspective. Achimatz is not expendable. But what happens is Achimatz insists on telling uh, the king Yoav says, don't go, don't go, don't go. And finally, Achimatz insists, insists, insists. Yoav says, go. The Kushite goes first. But the problem is that Achimatz knows a shortcut. So Achimatz runs and he overtakes, he overtakes the Kushi. So that's verse number 21. And David is sitting. David is waiting for, for the news. He has a watchman, Hatsofer, who goes to the top of the gate, El Gag Hashar. Of course, the reader is reminded the word Gag is a roof. That's where the whole story begins with David and Avshal, with Avshal, David and Bathsheba, when David goes to the Gag, and now the watchman stands on the Gag, and he sees Achimatz coming. He recognizes Achimatz. So. The king says in verse 27, O Achimatz is a good man. He comes with good news. So Achimatz comes and delivers his report, which is, you've won the war. But the king says, how is Avshalom? That's the main thing on his mind. And Achimatz gives an interesting answer. The Hebrew syntax is extremely convoluted, Essentially, the convoluted syntax mirrors the convoluted message. There was a large crowd, a hubbub, this, that. I don't know what it was about. He doesn't answer. So he has one message. You won the war. That's his message. Then the Kushi comes. In verse 31, the Kushi says, You should know God has 
defeated your enemies. All those who against you have been defeated. The king says, is there peace for the boy, for Avshalom? Avshalom, may the enemies of the king and all who rose against you fear like Avshalom, like that young man. And the king understands Avshalom is dead. There are two different messengers. Messengers abound in the book of Shmuel because there are two different messages. There's a message about the war and there's a message about Avshalom. It's clear from chapter 18 that the king's primary concern, strangely enough, is Avshalom, is the personal, is the son. But there are two messages. There's also the objective reality. You have won the war. It's a great victory. Yoav, in our chapter, represents the one who sees things from the objective standpoint. I believe the book sides essentially with Yoav. And David has a different point of view. David's unable to separate the personal from the objective, from the responsibility to the people. And that's a theme, and that's a complication that runs through the entire book of Shmuel. There's the objective responsibility, but there's often one's personal life, for better and worse. How one navigates that course, how one maintains one's responsibility as a leader, as a king, despite the personal tragedies, the tragedies of life, is a fundamental theme of the book of Shmuel.